Hi again. So you're back for more scary stories? Dana, do you think we have any more stories to spare, to share, to care? (laughs) You know it. Welcome back, everyone, to another week where we speak of things scary and the history and lore behind them with you, the listeners, and each other. I'm Dana. And I'm Megan. And together, we're your sisters of Scary Stories to Tell Your Sister. Dana, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm really good. I'm glad. For the first time in forever, I have our mother here with me. She's visiting the apartment for the first time, and I know she visits you all the time, but mm-hmm. that's a drive. For me, it's a plane ride, and so it's been chaos, but in the best way possible, so it's been good. That's awesome. I'm jealous, oh. but... I, I will make it up there eventually, and we can all be together. Yes, and one day we'll record in person, and that will be just the best. I'm so excited for that aspect of it. But it yeah. kind of worked out because, you know, it's been a roller coaster of things because now we're in December. I've had sick kids in my care for weeks. So I'm trying to like, get myself to relax despite that need to feel anxious. So I'm happy, stressed, and sleepy, and thrilled, you know, the best yeah. true feeling that there is. Of course. It's of course. And it's a good month. Yeah. It feels good. I good. just heard, I heard your child. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so did you have fun researching your story this week? Megan, I, let me tell you, I don't know what it is, if it's my ADH adult brain or whatever, but I... Once again, chose a topic, started going into it, and I said, no. So I finally – I chose something late this week. I chose a topic that I thought I would never have chosen. Mm. And I am excited because it it scratched that itch I have to – no, no things that scare me, which is basically how we got into this whole pot podcast. Mm-hmm. Things that scared me, and I need to know everything about them. So that was my topic this week, and I'm so excited. And I feel that we've had our own share of chaos since we last recorded, but it feels so good to settle back into the nice little routine we have mm-hmm. because Sunday fun days are back. That's right. So, you know, your best shot, Megan. Give me your scares. Did you like your topic this week? I did. I did at first. Like, I was like, ooh, I'm going to do this. (laughs) And then I got really excited about it. And I started researching. And then midway through, of course, I do my research late at night when Ray is not home. He's He's having his girls night, as he calls it, with you know, some friends, they go out for trivia and I think they're pretty much all girls except for him. (laughs) So yeah. So they call it girls night. And yeah, so he's not home. So it's just me and two cats and we're 
researching scary crap. And then I wondered to myself, why do I put myself in these situations? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. But here we are. I've researched it. It's time to start. You ready? I am so ready. And can I just say something about researching with an animal around is both comforting and discomforting? Yes. Because you're like, what do you see? What do you yes. know? The other night, Abby and I were walking Ferris, and we take him on a long walk at night together. And we happen to bump into our neighbor with their dog, who is, like, best friends with Ferris. And she's a black lab, very energetic. All of a sudden, she starts barking at something in the darkness. Oh, no. And the neighbor's like, oh, don't worry. She gets like this. And I said... Oh, I will worry a little bit because she might see something that I don't see. Um, um, yes. So I can definitely get that, especially with the cats we have. Oh, yeah, for sure. I definitely, the other night, both of the cats happened to be in at the time. They kind of go in and out, in and out, in and out. They love, especially Wednesday, my little black cat, she loves to go outside at night. That is her time. And... She happened to come in to have like a little snack. And so I was inside researching. The doors were locked. And then it was around the time that I wasn't sure if Ray was coming home or not. But then I knew he was home because I heard him walking up to the door. Mm. And then he stopped and I said, oh, he must be looking at his phone. And then I heard him start walking again. So I said, Ray. And I heard nothing. No. And so I got scared and I called him and I'm like, hey, Ray, is that you outside? And he's like, no, I'm like 15 minutes away. And I could hear that he's in the car. And I'm like, I definitely heard footsteps. And he's like, oh, the door's locked. So I'm going around checking, make sure all the doors are locked. And then I'm like, I don't hear it anymore. And I, I decided, you know what I decided? What? That, you know, when you're afraid to look out the window because you're afraid to see somebody like standing there. Absolutely. My biggest fear, seeing a face. But I think now the trick is to kind of scare them back. So <laughs> you go up to the window. I'm not normal. <laughs> Mindset. That's what. I, that's my trick. Yeah. So you go to the window and you whip it open because they're not expecting that. You know, they're trying to be sneaky. But then you catch them in the act, and you're like, "Get the out of here!" At least I'm getting all defensive now because I'm trying to like. Yeah. In my mind, I'm fighting for my life. Yeah, you but. know, five foot, five foot nothing. <laughs> Get out of here. But, all right, so I'm getting too excited now. Let me chill out so I can tell you the story, okay, Nina? I love it, I love it. What was it? What was it? Was it the cat? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I have no idea what it was. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Don't worry, because I, I chose this topic. I'll, okay, go ahead. No, tell me your story, and then remind me before I tell you my story about okay. something similar. Okay, I will. I'm very excited to hear your story. All right. So homes are meant to be the place where we go for refuge, right? Yeah. Right. Although sometimes that's not the case. And they're supposed to be the place we feel the most comfortable, safe, and at peace. But what happens when someone or something uninvited enters the home? (sighs) Something that sneaks in without a trace until it appears when we least expect it. I'm going to share the stories of those who have lived in homes with tenants uninvited, yet somehow still managed to make their way in. 
with no intention of leaving. The first story comes from our very own cousin, Melanie. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to read this like she sent it to me. So it'll it's coming from her point of view. It'll be like, I did. Yeah. 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 And just to give you a little background, this takes place in our grandparents' house, which eventually became our house. But they we call them Abuela and Abuelo. And then it was also home to Abuelito, Abuela's father, who'd recently passed at the time of the event. So now that we have that explained, I'll begin. It was 1986. I was 14 years old, almost 15, having a sleepover at Abuela and Abuelo's house with my friend Laura. She was a twin, but her sister wasn't spending the night that evening. We were sleeping on the fold-away couch in the living room. Your mother was visiting with you, and you were only a few months old, sleeping in Abuelito's room. The night was winding down, and we had shut off the lights and the moon was shining through the back door. That was our only source of light. Mm. The house was quiet. Everyone was asleep. When I start to hear scuffling steps coming down the hallway, the same way Abuelito would walk in his old man's slippers across the wooden floor. And you know those slippers that are like plasticky, so they have like a certain... Back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the sound. They moved closer and closer through the dining room right to my side of the pull-out couch bed. It was a dark shadow, and it was leaning over me and breathing heavily. No. I was frozen in fear. I watched it move across to the front of the bed, just out of the light of the moon, watching me. Uh Uh-uh. I started hitting my friend in the thigh to wake her up, but I was calling her by her twin's name. She thought I was having a nightmare until she heard the fear in my voice. I don't know if she saw what I did or was just reacting to my abject fear. But when we both screamed, it disappeared. All of the lights clicked on. The screams woke everyone up. And until this year, I had no idea anyone else experienced the same in that house. And the reason she says she didn't know anyone else experienced anything in that house is because mom and I had experiences in that house too. And I think you did too, right? I did too. I had, it was until she told me this. Right. Because we didn't learn any of this until Abuela, when our grandmother died, we all, all of the cousins had went to Didi's house, my aunt's house, and we were all just like hanging out, chatting, telling stories. And so somehow we just all started sharing ghost stories. Duh. <laughs> yeah, obviously. But no, I had something similar in that same house. Like, like you said, that was the house we grew up in. That was the house that we lived in when, since I was a month old until I was 19 mm-hmm. or 16. And there was, so the way the house is laid out was from the front door, there's the dining room, and from the off dining room was the long hallway where there was, on your left-hand side, the bathroom, and our parent in the master bedroom on the left-hand side. And on the right-hand side was your bedroom, 
And then my bedroom was the last one on the, on the hallway. And when I was younger, my bedroom was the last one on the hallway and would face the cemetery and the backyard and the, fort and the woods. And obviously, I am forever scared. So I would be afraid of the dark. Afraid, like if in the daytime, I would have the fan on in my room, but the lights off. And so at night, if and the windows open for like sun, but at night, if the light switch wouldn't go on and the window would be open, I'd be terrified. That's how much my fear was. And one night, I was laying in bed, and our father at the time worked night jobs. He would work doing the floor buffering at big chain grocery stores. And he would work overnight. And he also had slippers that were very similar, I think, to the sound that Melly had discussed. Mm -hmm. And so I'm laying in bed. I don't know how old I am, but I'm, I'm young enough to still be like scared, scared. But you know, I'm in between. I'm not, I'm not 16 and I'm not like four. And I hear slippers shuffling down the hallway towards my bedroom and our, our, all, all the bedrooms. And I'm like, great. I'm terrified. This is perfect. Dad's home. He can like tuck me back into bed or I can crawl in bed with mom and dad. So I wait until I don't hear the slippers anymore. And then I run into their bedroom and it's only mom in the bed sound asleep. <laughs> so and then t- and and I don't know. I Melly told me which bedroom it was. It was wonder, mine. It was yours. It was yours was Alvalita's bedroom. So I wonder if it was, which is next door to mine. So I wonder if I heard that aspect. Yeah. But yeah. That's where I had my experience in that room. Oh. Yeah. When I was sleeping, mom had, well, I was sleeping. And then in my dream, I'm laying in bed and somebody comes in. I think it was mom comes into the room and sits down on the bed next to me. And I forgot exactly what she said to me now. I wish I could remember. She might remember. But she said something to me. And I'm like, "What? why is this happening? And she's like, because. And whatever she said was very negative and scary. And I started freaking out. And then I could feel something push my chest. Okay. And, and then let go. And then push my chest. And then let go. And then, you know, multiple times. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? That was really weird. And it didn't, it was like no other dream that I'd ever experienced before that time. So when I got up, I went to, I went, just went about my normal day. And then I forgot, I think I was going to work and mom was driving me. And so she's driving me to work and we're just talking and I'm telling her about my nightmare because we (laughs) always share dreams. And she's like, oh, okay. And then that was that. I didn't hear anything about anything after that until way later when mom tells me the reason I didn't say anything was because I was freaked out because that same night I had the same thing happen to me. The pressure. Yeah. And then she, in her dream, she was at the hall at church for those listening. That's like what it was. And she I forgot what happened at church but something weird was happening there too and so she started feeling that weird 
sensation. And then she thinks it was all related to something that she had bought from a garage sale that same day. And then once we got rid of it, nothing else happened. But that we've had multiple times where that's happened to both of us at the same time. Yeah, you and mom too. Yeah, which is like such a strange thing. And and just to note that not all of them have happened in that house. Right. Yeah, but still. Oh. Yeah, but I have one other, one more story to tell you. I'm so excited. So don't be too excited about this one because this one's a little bit more freaky. Okay. Um, Less excited. <laughs> but the next story I have for you is another haunting tale that takes place in someone's home. And this is the story of the Amons family haunting. Have you heard of the Amons family Is this in Connecticut? No, no. This one's actually in Gary, Indiana. Okay, and, then no, don't know. Okay, okay. And whenever I researching, whenever I researching, whenever I research, yeah, I do the, that researching yeah. thing. <laughs> when I research something really scary, mm-hmm. I always regret it midway through. Oh, I get that hundred percent. Can I just tell you when I was editing our last episode? about the aliens and stuff like that i kept getting like glitches in the audio really i was so i was like i don't like that i don't like this i don't like this maybe you'll get a visitation soon (laughs) i'm just kidding go on with your now i know i know you deserve everything you get I'm sorry. I don't want anything bad to happen to me now for being so no no okay You, you don't deserve that don't worry Okay. I say I like scary things, but I'm beginning to think I like, like, the scary, like, peekaboo. <laughs> peekaboo. Great, great choice that we have this <laughs> podcast now. Like, more, like, spooky. I think I'm more like Halloween Town more than I am the town that dreaded sundown. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, here's the story. Amon's family. This story begins in November of 2011. Latoya Amons, her mother Rosa Campbell, and Latoya's three children, ages 7, 9, and 12. The 7 and 9-year-old are boys, 12-year-old is a girl. They don't, they're not named, so we're just going to go by 7, 9, and 12. Yep. All right. They moved into a small one-story rental with a screened-in front porch on Carolina Street in Gary, Indiana. Nothing was really amiss until the coming month in December. That winter, LaToya noticed an unusual amount of horseflies on her front porch, which was strange considering horseflies dislike cooler weather and they prefer prefer more of a damp, warm climate. So when the family got rid of the pesky flies and they returned time and time again, she knew something was not right. And if you remember from our possession episode, infestation is the first degree of possession. And this is clearly affecting the home and the property, which is what infestation's main focus is. And let me tell you, this case takes infestation to a whole new level. Then came the noises. After the flies, noises started. Late in the evening, the family would hear sounds coming from their basement. Heavy footsteps would be heard coming up the stairs of the basement, followed by the opening of the basement door. 
Absolutely not. That entered into the kitchen. Well, lock the door, you might say. And that would be a good solution. And they did that. But how does that help when nobody is ever found in relation to the making of the noises? And even after the door was locked, the noises never ceased. Although, that's not completely true. Because they did see someone. Or something. Rosa awoke one night to see the figure of a man pacing the floor of her living room. Can you imagine the middle of the night, you wake up, look out your door, and you see a man walking no. back and forth? See a man? Dana, no. <laughs> what would be your response? Would it be fight, flight, freeze, or fawn? Although I don't think it's necessarily I would not be right to add fawn in that scenario. In because scenario, I don't see... fawn is not the thing. Okay, no. so I, I wake up and I see a man pacing my living room? Yeah. Well, Ferris barks at Gigi, our mom, shifting on the couch. So, does he? If in this scenario, is Ferris barking? Or no, you're alone. You're alone. Abby, alone. Abby had to travel, and she took With Ferris. Ferris. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ferris. Yes. Take the dog, dumbass. <laughs> I, I think, I freeze. Same. That's exactly what I told Ray I'd do. I said I think I my body would, would like screenshot. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, I would do the I'd same like, thing. I think I'd, cl- I'd go back to the childhood thing of you can't see me if I can't see you. And my eyes would be screwed shut. <laughs> I would slowly lift the blanket off and I would be like doing anything. Oh, yeah. And- the blanket will protect you for sure. Absolutely. And then if I if they stay out there, we're fine. That's the freeze. If they come anywhere near me and breathe in your ear, then fight. I'd grab my lamp from my bedside table and just swing. Yeah. Swing first. Swing first and keep swinging. That's right. Well, I would freeze as well. But Rosa, she did not freeze. She decided to hop out of bed. Rosa. And go see what was going on. Absolutely. Rosa, you and I are built differently. And that's yeah. okay. She's brave. She's brave. Um, <laughs> but when she got there, there was nobody there. Mm-mm. So what she did find was residue <laughs> of the shadow man's evening traits in the form of wet boot prints left behind no. on her living room floor. Another time, LaToya sees something coming out of her closet. Out of her butt. Out of her butt. (laughs) Surprise. Out of her closet? (laughs) Dana. My closet's next to my bed. Dana, mine is right at the foot. Not right at the foot, but at the foot of my bed. And I hate when Ray leaves it open because I'm afraid I'm going to see somebody like peek out. See, I ours is open because Ferris's crate. We have like a walk-in closet mm-hmm. and a walk-through, so it's like our bedroom, the big closet, and the bathroom. Oh, okay. So we leave the door open to the closet and the bathroom door closed. Is it like Carrie's and Sex in the City? Like the isn't hers like that? Maybe not. I don't remember now, no. but that's what I'm picturing in my mind. Okay, um, but 
there's times there was one time where I had a towel draped over the door and I didn't remember I put it there and I looked in the night I looked over and I said what is that <laughs> like a solid a solid amount of time to freeze and be like it's a towel it's a towel because oh yeah I'm a freezer that is so funny but my it's too close Megan no no I know like, Abby Ferris are you standing up oh that is scary yeah so Lat- what did Rosa do? Did she invest? No, in this again? is Latoya now. This is Latoya. Latoya. This is Rose's daughter, Ugh, the what? mother of the children. She sees something coming out of the closet, but this time it wasn't a shadow. Rather, it was a fully formed figure. Mm-mm. And I can't decide which one is scarier because I don't know. They both have like an equal amount of. Fear. Fright. Yeah, fear-inducing, I don't even know what. Like, I don't know. There's something strange about both of them, yeah. you know? Absolutely. Especially because I feel like I, I feel like LaToya probably knew that even though it was a, a fully formed figure, that it wasn't an actual person, person? you know? Uh, yeah. There's usually something off, and mm-hmm. she probably was aware of that. I don't know what she did in that instant, though. So after that, around four months later in March, on the 10th of March in 2012, things went from creepy to terrifying. They had some family friends staying over the night and, or that night, and around two in the morning, Rosa hears her 12-year-old granddaughter scream for her mom. So Rosa runs to the room and sees her unconscious granddaughter floating above her bed. (laughs) Their guests also witness the levitating child. And they all begin to pray. A few moments later, the little girl's body returns to the bed and she regains consciousness, but with no recollection of what had just occurred. Needless to say, the friend... Thank goodness for that, at least, that she has no recollection of that. Right. Yeah. So the friends that are staying with them now decided to forgo any future sleepovers with this family from that moment on. Like, we're good. I'll just stay awake until my eyes dry. Yeah, I'll sleep in my car. I'll literally sleep anywhere else. When mental health professionals got involved later down the line... The 12-year-old would share how she'd heard a voice say she wouldn't see her family again while simultaneously feeling as though she was being choked. The seven, Yeah. The seven-year-old boy was also not immune to the happenings in the Amon's household. He was witnessed speaking to a boy who couldn't be seen. The boy was telling him, what it felt like to be killed, which is absolutely horrifying. And I'm so glad these kids eventually got out of this place and got the help that they needed because whatever was saying those things to him had to be pure evil because that is so mean. He is a baby. Yeah. This poor kid was also thrown out of the bathroom by an unseen force. It hurting the children really bothers me. I don't like to watch, read, or hear anything of that nature. Their mother was trying her best, 
And she did take them to hotels multiple times to try and escape. But financially, they were unable to move. That's the thing. Yeah. They're like, oh, why don't you leave? Like, some people, they can't. Yeah. Financially leave. Like, they don't have the privilege or ability to be like, oh, just go somewhere else. Right. Right. Kids, you know, you're not just one person. You have to worry about, like, (laughs) feeding them, caring, you know, so it's hard. So I give her credit. Yeah. At one point, LaToya spoke with her mom and told her, she was concerned people would think they were hurting the children because of all the oddities that were going on in the home. She told Rosa, we need to find someone to help us. We need to find someone to see these paranormal events so they understand what's truly going on. But like I said, things do get better and they do get help, but not yet. (laughs) So all of these awful things are happening and LaToya is reaching out to churches for help. Some feel unable to help. Others offer her advice, but nothing is working. LaToya then seeks out two clairvoyants who would go on to tell her. Ready for this? I don't want to. Where they were living was also home to two hundred Hundred demons. No. Goodbye. Two is enough. Right. <laughs> right. You're continuing. The ground is sour. Did you ever see that movie? <laughs> <laughs> that cemetery. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah. Well, the sour is my new favorite. Yeah, it definitely was there. <laughs> but they also suggested making an altar in the basement, which mm. Amons went on to do. But spoiler alert, it, I, I don't think I said like spoiler alert, speak then. <laughs> spoiler alert, it did not work. Surprise. And the demons persisted. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, LaToya even went to her family doctor, whom I'm going to call <laughs> Dr. Jeffrey, because his last name I will only do a disservice to. She was trying everything. Her two sons were with her when she went to Dr. Jeffrey and they brought the scary with them because they began to curse at him. Rosa said their voices sounded demonic and Dr. Jeffrey said the meeting was bizarre and he was scared. Also, like you said, this is her like PCP or primary care, like primary care doctor. Right. Can you imagine being like, I did not go to school right for this? Right. I'd be like, um, let me just check the books real quick, because I'm not I don't I'm very unfamiliar with Yeah, what textbooks like, ooh, do I do my textbooks or the Bible? What do I do? Right. To be a fly on that wall, right? Mm. To be a horse on that wall. What was that? To be a horse fly on that <laughs> And then just like that, the boys pass out. Oh, yeah. I forgot the boys are demons in this one. Yeah. So now they're passed out and the police and the paramedics are called. And the boys are rushed to the hospital. When they arrived, LaToya said the medical staff laughed at her because she wanted to anoint her sons with olive oil. Now... I understand that that must have been a surprise. You know, her request must have been a surprise. But 
you know, keep the laughs to yourself. Yeah. Also, I think, I think I read that the churches had like suggested something like that. Okay. So that's where she got it from. But no, I know it's mentioned in the Bible, like things of being anointed with oil and stuff like that. Right, right. But can you imagine, like I can, but I'm like, come on, half of you guys in this hospital are probably quote Christian and you believe that yeah, you know, a snake talked to Eve and an apple created all the problems that we have in this world. No judgment. That's what you believe. And she believes in this olive oil. But and I'd be like, and my thing would be, if I was her at the same time, I'd be like, do it when they're not there. <laughs> Dana, Dana, just wait a second, Dana. Wait, wait. Okay. Oil, go. I right. mean, I'm not saying like sneak medicine to patients without. No. Medicine. Like anything like that. I'm saying this is olive oil. This is something that is, for all intents and purposes, not harmful. So if it's not going to be harmful, if it's if you don't think it's going to be helpful, just let her do it anyway. You know. Yeah. All I'm going to say is, do- just don't laugh at her. Don't laugh at people. No, don't laugh at people. You know. Anyways, the boys wake up and the nine year old is fine. The seven year old though, not so much. Five men are needed to hold the boy down. So when all of this is going on, someone calls DCS. No. Okay. Yeah, DCS. And now. DCS. No, it's a DCS. Okay. So what's the difference? Oh, I don't know. Let me see. Department of, Ch- of Child Services. So that's DCS. Okay. So enter Valerie Washington the family's DCS case manager. When she came to the hospital, she found Amons to be, quote, of sound mind, and the children did not appear to be mistreated in any way. So Valerie is still at the hospital talking with the family when the seven-year-old begins to growl. (laughs) And now his eyes roll back, and he begins to choke his older brother until adults are able to release his grip. Yikes. He does this one more time later in the evening, accompanied by a deep voice, not that of a seven-year-old, saying the words, It's time to die. I don't know if he said it like that, but I wanted to try it. So, Washington Campbell had a nurse named, sorry. What is funny? My voice. (laughs) Okay. Should I I know? No, no, that's saying in there. That's in it. That's the, that's the voice forever. Sorry. Washington Campbell and a nurse named Willie Lee Walker witnessed this. But it would be nothing compared to what they were about to see. Because the nine-year-old boy is now grinning in a very strange way. Mm-hmm. Then, in front of everyone... He glides backwards towards the wall, walks backwards up the wall. What? To the ceiling and flips over his grandmother. Everyone in the room ran out after seeing this. Those not in the room at the time found it hard to believe. Police even asked Valerie, the family case manager, if what the boy did was some kind of trick. And she told him that was not the case. The doctor also called the kid's bluff and asked the boy to perform those moves again. 
The boy couldn't remember anything he'd done, though. And the nurse, Walker, told the doctor when the boy was doing what he was doing, he was, quote, not himself. After all of this, DCS did eventually get wardship over the children. That lasted approximately six months. LaToya was able to have supervised visits with stipulations in place, one of which was to refrain from talking about demons with the children. Yeah, I mean, You're... same. What? <laughs> I mean, same. That's my, that's my, that's my. Yeah, for that's sure. <laughs> right? Can we not talk about this? Yeah. During this time, a lot went on. But because of time's sake, I can't go into everything. So I'm just going to condense it real quick. LaToya had three major exorcisms with the backing of the Catholic Church. The last one was in June 2012. Eventually, Amons was able to find a job and another home that was not demon infested. And almost six months after the Amons family was separated, they were reunited in November of 2012. And DCS closed their case later that February. LaToya and her family were thrilled to be reunited. She said that day was the happiest day for her. And after everything, LaToya's story remains that what happened to her family was very real. And many parts of her story had been backed up and or witnessed not only by the priests, but we also heard of the nurse, the yeah. worker, and one person I didn't mention because of time, the police captain named Charles Austin. And he had, at least at the time of the article that I read, 36 years under his belt. And quickly, I want to say that he didn't believe in any of it before visiting the house and interviewing the family. So, Dane. Yes. What do you think? Uh, that is terrifying. I, I am, <laughs> I'm laughing. Cause... Well, let me tell you, while you're, while you're thinking about that. Okay. Let me tell you, Zach Baggins, he was the host of the show Ghost Adventures. He bought yeah, the no, home. I, yeah. He bought the home in 2014. Okay. And he ended up demolishing it just two years after he purchased it. And also, Netflix will be making a film about the incident after a $65 million bid. Holy crap. Yeah. Are you going to watch? No. <laughs> really? Maybe. I don't know. I first, I think I heard something about Zach Bagan's buying a house and like knocking it down. I think I've heard about the house itself, but I had not gone into depth about the story at all prior to this. The fact that there's so many people who were, I don't want to say like verifiable, but of like position of power almost outside of the family that bore witness to that definitely gives it more oomph in my book. I I give them credit for trying the best they can because I like I said you can't just leave yeah. I've been like can we sleep in the backyard we're camping out tonight kids <laughs> but that is insane I don't no. know what I would do especially with the young kids thing I was trying to picture children I know 
that are that age. Previous, one of my old nanny kids will call her Bean. She is eight. And the fact of that power, I mean, pushing off people. I can't imagine, like, myself pushing off five men. Right. Like, that power, that power that goes beyond what our body tells us to stop type thing. That that part got me. Not, let's be real. That part didn't get me. The wall got me. But. I know. <laughs> I know. The Deliverance, I think, is what the name is going to be of the movie. Ooh. That'll be interesting. But um, I'm ready for yours, Dane. What you got for oh, me? Well, let me tell you something. Another reason why I almost burst out laughing is because, I was going to say, while I deal with many supernatural, I'm sorry, while we deal with many supernatural and scary topics on the podcast, we, I don't always go in this direction. <gasps> Dana, can I just say something real quick? Yes. That reminds me, we, again, didn't tell Abby. So imagine if we had done the same thing. Megan, we did the same thing, but different houses. Shut up. Yes. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, this is supposed to remind you. Is this the reminder? For what? I don't know. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. so yes, thank you so much for remembering. Remember what? So you said you heard something weird in your house. Last night, I have a headphone in, and I'm brushing my teeth. I'm trying to listen. I'm finishing a book on tape. It's a, it's a horror book, which is weirdly enough, because I really read horror that much. But reading, I'm brushing my teeth, and I hear something. I only, <laughs> only wear one headphone at a time, so I can still hear things outside, if need be. And I hear almost like someone saying, I almost thought it was mommy mommy being like, hey, mama, or something <gasps> at the door. And I said, hello? And I was like, Abby? 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 She's like, yeah. I'm like, was that you? And she's like, I'm in bed. And I was like, mom, was it you? Because mom was in bed already, too. And not, it was neither of them. And I swear I heard something. And it creeped me out so much that I had to run through my dark closet and back to bed. I was like, I don't like that at all. I'm going on TikTok. I'm looking at like dresses on Amazon. I'm no, I can't do this. Oh my god, what was it? No, 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 no. I know, no, no. <laughs> I know, no, no, no. So, I was reading this. I was read. I was reading this horror book. It was like light. It was like mystery. I didn't realize it was like what that book horror. is it? It was The House Across the Lake by like Riley Sager. I think it okay. was for horror, but it was like creepy enough. Yeah, uh, it's a nice audio book. I enjoyed it, and. I decided, you know, I am having trouble with the topic. So I said, let's go back to an experience that many people know and maybe peel some layers back on it because this is so much more than just a house in Long Island. Oh, I was thinking about all the tops that could have done. And for some reason, I was. I chose different things already, and I had mentioned this topic to Abby, I think, a while ago. And I was like, one day, I want to cover this topic, but it wasn't yet. And I literally, like, Thursday night was researching another topic. And I was saying, I was saying, it's not clicking. I don't have this drive and the excitement with it. And so Abby said, why don't you do what you chose before? And so I said, fine, I'll look into it. And I said, 
this is it. This is good. This is the thing. I am doing the haunting and the inspiration of the Amityville horror. Ooh, Dana. So. I'm scared. I have never read the book. I've never seen any of the movies. There are so many movies. I know. I have tried to watch the Ryan Reynolds one. Yes. Many times and can never finish it because it creeps me out. Okay. So that's it's dark. The, yeah. That's one of the most recent ones. And there's been so many since the book came out because there's a book. I think there's multiple books actually. But the book that was the basis of the 1979 movie that there's multiple books and, multi- and like so many movies. When I was researching this, I was like, not the film, not the film, not the film, because obviously they say fact inspired fiction, but they take liberties with movies. And I just want to say that while we deal with many supernatural and scary topics in this podcast, we tend to step away from true crime aspects for most things, but this one is very much tied into it. So I want to give a full spectrum cover of the event. So the following retelling, I'll do a very brief recap, but it does have some triggers, including murder and gun violence. So I'm just going to say that right away there. So a little backstory on the house. So the house itself is a really pretty six-bedroom Dutch colonial-style house located at 112 Ocean Avenue on the south shore of Long Island, which is about 30 miles outside of New York City. And this house was built in the 20s. It's on a canal, and it had both a pool and a boathouse. So it's a really gorgeous little place that would make any family happy. But that wasn't the case for the most infamous inhabitants. So the first is the one that we're not going to spend too much time on because, no, it's the DeFeo family. And they were a family of seven that lived at 112 Ocean Avenue since they purchased it in 1965 until six of them, the father, mother, two brothers, and two sisters, died a violent death at the hand of the eldest DeFeo's son. On November 13th, 1974. He actually tried to say that he found them murdered. He was at a bar all day making like a big commotion. Like, I can't reach my family. I can't reach my family. And then so he was like making a big like talking to people about that. Hi, it's me trying to reach my family. Mm -hmm. I went home and he runs back to the bar and say, I need help. I need help. My family's been dead. My family's been killed. And so he told the police that he us he was fearful that it was a hitman that that killed the family. But not only did the hitman have an alibi, but DeFeo himself actually confessed to murdering the family, informing the police where they could find the crucial and hidden evidence about the the crime. And he was found guilty of the crime in November of the following year in 1975. And he lived out the rest of his life in prison until his death only last year. Really? Mm-hmm. He died last year, March of 2021. Did not and, know that. Yeah, so he's often changed his story multiple times, and he even once claimed that a demonic voice told him to do it, which kind of aids the whole demonic lore of the house. Mm-hmm. So that crime happened on 
November 13th, 1974, like I previously said. And the house itself sat unoccupied for 13 months until just a month after his conviction, the Lutz family purchased it and moved into the house in December. So this was the husband and wife were George and Kathleen or Kathy. They purchased it for only $80,000, which I looked at an inflation calculator and that would put it at about $443,000 and some change. Okay. Which is still a lot of money for a house, but think yeah. about six bedroom, waterfront, pool, and boat. True. House. That's a really big steal. Yeah. But the question remains was it a steal? Like, at what cost, you know? Right. So, oh, I forgot to mention for an added. $400, they got to keep the furniture that was left behind by the slain family. No, 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 no. I think I'd rather pay 400 to remove said furniture. I would rather have no furniture, no furniture at, at all. all. Yeah, because, you know, energy lingers and I don't want to, like, I am so picky about Certain things, let alone like, oh, this is a dead person stuff. Oh, for sure. I would be the same way. Obviously, I know we get things from. No, this is a murder. A heinous murder. So bad. Yeah, I don't have time for that bad juju. So I don't know how much you know about this case, Megan, but do you know how long the Lutzes stayed in that house for? No. They were only there for 28 days. What? All of this happened in 28 days. Wow. So it, w- that's why I, I was laughing a bit and being like commiserating with the mom of your previous story. Yeah. At her, laughing at the story. Right. Her, because we always say that we watch things, read things that, you know, if, if this was happening in our house, we'd get the F out. But we have to the privilege and the funds to do so. Mm-hmm. Lots of able were able to get out of the house, but not before supposedly enduring some of the most scariest things in their once a dream house turned nightmare. So George and Kathy move in with the three kids. And these are these kids are from Kathy's previous marriage. And it's two boys and a girl and their dog, Harry. So they move in in December until a month later when they leave. When they leave, Megan, they left everything behind as well. They said, auction it off. We don't, we're not coming back. Mm -hmm. But what caused them to be so frightened that they would just walk out the door? Oh my God. We're going to just dive into the events, what professionals and those closely related to them have to say about the facts and the fiction. Of this tale. So obviously, we know I said that movies are more extreme, but in the movie, it's shown that a priest comes in towards the end of the stay, and I think he's like covered in flies, all those crazy things like that. But was there an actual priest that came? Yes and no, weirdly enough. <laughs> so after the movie came out, in 1979, in October of that same year, there was a show called In Search Of. And it interviewed the supposed priest who would later be identified as Father Ralph 
Percario. And in the in the episode of the show, he's silhouetted. You can't see his face. You know how they have like the on unsolved mysteries and stuff like that. They're like obscured for their own perspective. Yeah. Don't you always feel like you could edit it? Well, don't you feel like I, I always felt like if that were me, I feel like somebody would know. Right. I'd, 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 I'd wear a wig or something. Me too. So he said that he actually came to the house when they first moved in, not towards the end of their stay. He mm. said he came because he was informed of the murders that had taken place there, and they asked him to bless the house when they were moving in. Okay. And he quoted as saying the following. I was blessing the sewing room, says the priest. It was cold. It was really cold there. I'm like, well, gee, this is peculiar because it's a lovely day out and it was winter, yes, but it didn't count for that type of coldness. I was also sprinkling holy water and I heard a rather deep voice behind me saying, get out. (gasps) God, Dana, no. (laughs) It seemed so directed toward me that I was really quite startled. I felt a slap at one point on my face and felt somebody slap me and nobody was there. Now in the years to come and even in court, he would kind of contradict this statement. And honestly, that seems to be the theme of everyone involved in this house. Really? Everyone says something happened and then somehow contradicts it later. But regardless, we're going back to the story. They said on the, from the very first night the house in the house that things felt off. They experienced like strange sensations, some like weird sounds and cold spots, which I mean, it's December on the water up north, but still. Mm-hmm. Like, you can tell when there's a cold patch. Yeah. Or, like, I feel – I don't think I've ever experienced a cold patch like that, thankfully. But it's like when you're swimming and you and you go for a warm patch and then a cold <laughs> patch. Like, not someone peeing, but whatever. Yeah. Know? No, it's true. But yeah. But you feel that. I feel it'd be similar to that, but, like, in the air. And they said almost immediately that their, all of their personalities started changing. Which kind of led to more arguments and higher tension in the house. They said George kind of like let himself go to the wayside type thing. And he would just like tend to the fires. He's like, oh, it's so cold. I need to work on this fire constantly. And Kathy's health started deteriorating. This is all that stuff. And then, Megan, I kid you not. An infestation of flies. Yes, Dana. And the Lutzes claim that unlike one in the many iterations of movies, they said the flies swarmed the priest. They said, yeah, there was flies, but not on the priest. But they would swarm the room, like the sewing room. Mm. And once again, it was winter. And flies don't do well in freezing cold weather. Um, They don't hibernate. Like you said, they do well in warm environments. Mm -hmm. And obviously they say like bugs can come in houses more so. When it's cold, like wintertime, because your house is warm. Mm-hmm. But it's the swarming aspect. Yeah. Which I had completely forgotten about your pre- previous episode talking about that aspect of infestation. infestation. Mm-hmm. And, and I think also the infestation in one room. Right. That aspect, is that, that gave me pause, you know. Like, Weird. Oh. Not only that, but Megan. What am I terrified of that I always seem to cover? Red eyes. Red eyes. Red eyes. That's really red eyes. And those gorgeous gems make another appearance this week. 
in the form of the youngest daughter's imaginary friend. Oh, my God. Friend with red eyes? Now, kids play all the time. They have imaginary friends. They have make-believe company. Great. It's good. It's actually, it's fantastic to have a really healthy imagination. Love, Love to see it. But she had an imaginary friend named Jody. And Jody was a red-eyed pig. <laughs> Dana! Dana, no. And <laughs> no, thank you. And one of the movies apparently like took a liberty with this and made Jody a red-eyed pig that looked through the windows. <gasps> and I scares swear me. This, that is right up there with the top ten fears of mine. Like... When you said faces and windows, I also cackled earlier because <laughs> that is one of my biggest fears, faces and windows. Now red-eyed pigs <laughs> Red-eyed pigs with that? I said, absolutely not. Count me out. Oof. And her, the daughter's name is Missy. And she claimed that Jody could only be seen by those whom Jody wanted to see her. And I said, no, thank you, Jody. Do not choose me, please, and thank you. I'm right. good. So we have poor health, we have flies, we have red-eyed pigs, and then we're going to add some more scoop of trauma because there's, like, really bad smells as well. Oh, Dana. Right? Yeah. Bad smells. There's weird stains on, like, the toilet in places. And in the Wait, there's weird stains on the toilet? Can you imagine that? I'm like, no, thank you. Let me pee in peace. I need cleanliness in at least one room. (laughs) I'm so confused by that. I don't know. There are stains on things, Megan. Stains. I don't want to dwell on the the dwell on the abode of porcelain. And I think in the movie, they had it where it was blood coming from the walls. No, thank you. But the Lutzes claimed that it was green, like a green slimy substance that oozed throughout the house. That's so weird. So based on all this, Megan, how long are you lasting in this house, all this stuff happening? It's only only this so far. The flies would the probably fly. be the thing that dro- drove me crazy. Megan, when I, was, I was like, Megan would be done with the flies. Yeah, that would bother me to no end. That yeah. would be the thing that would make me leave more so than the green goo, whatever, falling. What was the other thing? The, red, the kid talking to the red-eyed pig? I just know my kid is going to do something like that. So I might just be like. <sighs> Cap yourself now. I'm going to be like, here's your salt. Just put the salt in your room. <laughs> but for this. the flies would drive me out. How about you? Um, The red eyes. I'd be like, for real, real? Or like, our brain seeing fun things real? Mm-hmm. Okay. Fun thing. If you have a red eye pig about your friend, that's totally great. But if you're really seeing this, please, God, tell me now. The flies would definitely skew me out. Yeah. So, for me, I'd have the entire family share a room for warmth. Yeah. And no flies on, like, day five. I'd be out of there. But they're still there. George keeps waking up the same time every night. I can't. What? Is George the dad? George is the dad. I'm sorry. George is the dad, the stepfather. Stepfather. Okay. He keeps waking up the same time every night. Now, I know I keep asking you questions, Megan, but what time do you think he kept waking up at? Like, what hour? 3.33. So close. 
So we know the witching hour is said to be the hour of 3 a.m. And George kept waking every night at 3.15. Ooh. Which just so happens to not only be the right in the spooky time, but more importantly and more terrifyingly, happens to be the exact time the investigators claimed the DeFeo family was murdered. Oh. So George also says that he was witness during one of these wake-up times to his wife levitating off her bed. (gasps) And apparently, one time, she turned into a, quote, 90-year-old hag in front of his eyes. Uh Uh-uh. And which takes the whole, would you love me if I was a worm? To a whole (laughs) new level. Oh, my God. A random demon 90-year-old hag? No. Dana, I would leave the room. Oh, we were talking about it. I mean, Ray was saying earlier that if he had seen, like, if we were in bed and he had seen the person in the closet come out, <laughs> he would probably just leave the room because yeah. his would be flight. His flight. I yeah, he'd be like, no, I don't have time for this. Yeah. According to the family, they tried multiple times. After that, to get more priests or anyone out who could help them. Sometimes they said the phone would just, like, die as they're trying to talk to them. So they said, okay, fine. They did the whole, if no one's going to help you, you got to help yourself type thing. They took a crucifix in their hand and started walking around the house saying the Lord's Prayer. Until several voices said, will you stop? No, Dana. And I said, no, I will not. I would have placed the crucifix down. I would have put my hands up and surrender. And been like, you got it. I'm stopping. I'm moving on out. You win. But that, that was in the last straw. It was said on the last night. And they don't really go into too many details here. Because they were quoted as saying that it was too frightening. What happened that last night? But the last night was apparently constant rapping and banging and knocking and furniture moving and the kids being affected and traumatized. Which, did you see The Haunting of Hill House? Yeah. Spoilers for those who haven't seen it. One great show. Please watch it. It'll, you'll cry, though. It's terrifying and sad. There's a scene in it that is probably the scariest scene I've ever seen and it's when they're at the funeral home and all of a sudden there's knocking and banging from all over the, the, the building oh my god that is scary and I just picture that so they're feeling they're hearing all this banging and banging and knocking and knocking and furniture flying across the room kids are traumatized terrified and so it was so bad the next day. I think they got in touch with the priest the next day. And they were told, why don't you go somewhere for night or something to kind of like catch a break, clear your head and sleep. And so they said, got it. We're out of here. And they went to Kathy's mother's home and then never returned again. Blame them. Which, I mean, same because just imagine no. if you're in your home and you hear knocking. Okay. No. No. The outside wall, fine. But then coming from like an inside wall. 
or the ceiling or whatever, you know? Oh, yeah. No. So, a couple things to note. I notice, and I don't know if you notice as well, a lot of these things happen to and around George. Apparently, he likes to dabble in the occult. No. Mm. And some say that he may have tried to summon something and it went awry. Ah. They knew the family had been, like, murdered prior to that. So maybe he was trying to use something with that because apparently... Oh, God, no. Which could also talk about how there was no one besides them that have... Besides them, the house has moved hands, obviously, since they left. But no one's experienced anything prior to right. since then. Okay. And it's also been brought up by a former lawyer that was had ties to both the, the DeFeo family and the Lutzes that they decided to make up the story over, like, copious bottles of wine to be like, hey, we'll drop up some money, some things like that. The Lutzes deny this to, you know, they say nope. And they, the lawyer said they were doing this because they had financial troubles and they thought, we'll get attention on the house. Maybe it'll sell for more or something like that. But the Lutzes both said that's not true. The kids have said that's not true. I literally have nightmares to this day about things. One of the sons said my father might have exaggerated things. But I know what happened. Yeah. And both George and Kathy, the parents, were both polygraphed by who at the time was considered one of the best polygraph like recorders <laughs> and they passed the test. Wow. So there's like some I feel like part of me is like they probably said, hey, these scary things happen because the dad did something he shouldn't have done and things that have happened there. But I do think they may have elaborated a bit. Mm-hmm. But there's also more. <laughs> Only three weeks after the Lutz family left the Warrens, Ed and Lorraine Warren, came to investigate the house. Ooh. Now, I don't know if we talked about the Warrens on here before. And for those who don't know, Ed and Lorraine Warren are famously known paranormal investigators. She is said to have psychic abilities and see things. They're known for the things such as The Conjuring movies, Annieville, and is it Annabelle? Mm-hmm. And more, a lot of big stories like that. And they said, they claimed they had experienced several things while at the Amityville house. Ed was in the basement using what was quoted as religious, religious provocation, which is basically provoking the demons with scriptural chants and verses, which I'm like, please no. And he was physically pushed to the floor. Lorraine said that she, while in the house, had an overwhelming sense of the, a demonic presence while she was in the property. She said she had terrifying visions of the DeFeo's bodies. Oh, that's terrible. On the floor. What? Well, I'm sorry. She said they were covered by sheets on the floor. And she said she also was pushed back by an unseen force. And while they were there, they took one of the most popular photos ever taken of something being haunted. It's apparently the spirit of a little boy peering from a second floor door. Their belief is that this may be the youngest DeFeo boy who was nine at the time of his death. I'm going to send it to you now. 
please do. There Dana? it is. Okay, I'm going to look. Enjoy sleeping tonight. Okay, let's take a gander. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That is a really good picture. Right? And obviously, we know pictures can be manipulated and right. whatever. So, great of salt, but still. Hate the eyes. Whatever. Oh, yeah. And it kind of looks like he has a little horn on the right side of his head. Oh, I hate that. Thank Do you, you see that? I think or it's aren't... a flare, maybe? Yeah, that's just it's scary. Like gray, gray area? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's scary. Uh, so, I mean, there's also statements in both the 70s movie and the 2000s one with Ryan Reynolds that the land was mon- once owned by a man named John Ketchum, who apparently practiced black magic in the cottage that was once on the property before the current house was built in 1924 they say that he was like chased away from salem or whatever they say he was died and he died he died and was buried there but i found nothing about that myself some sites say that's not true others ones say yes it is but i just wanted to put that in there to cover all my bases okay the house is still there Really? I'm still there now. The house still stands, although the address has changed. Of course. As of one of the previous owners, because, like I said, no other hauntings have taken place, minus, like, the rabid fans. One of the owners had to move because people kept, like, coming by and, like, taking shingles from the house and things like that. Oh, my goodness. I'm like, hey, you know what? If you want to, if you're a horror fan or something like that, don't. It's a real house where people, people live in. Treat it with respect. If it's mm-hmm. a haunted, treat it with other respect too. Right. But there since then, I think it's like eight eighty something now, the address. I'm not gonna say the exact address. Don't, now. yeah. If you really want to know, you can Google it, but <laughs> Google it, don't visit it. But there have been no more reports of bumps and bangs or levitations in the night. So, what do you think, Megan? Did fact make fiction grander than it actually was? I think I think something probably did happen, but I think that he the father probably did elaborate more than yeah, what was what actually happened, but I mean the kid is still saying, "Hey, yeah, these things happened." So, yeah. I mean, that's so creepy. I don't know what was going on, but I mean, oof. That would be so scary to live in a home. Like, that's where you feel safe. Like I said at the beginning, like, where you feel the safest. Yeah. And, and I said homes are the hardest, but in this case, like, homes were the haunt is. Right. And you can't go anywhere else to feel, I don't know, it's just scary. Especially because in their case, obviously, I think things stopped when they left. But you don't know. Is it them that brought it in? Was right. It the- or was it something that was in the house from the previous, like, the mass murder that was in there? That, like, when they cleared the house and auctioned it out, that that left. Right. Exactly. Because you know about how your thing with mom, there was something that mom said she brought in from a garage sale. So mm-hmm. it was, like, that. So who knows? Yeah. And, like, in in my story... I don't know. I know that the the owner of the property had said I had never had any complaints before. And so, like, did they bring something in or yeah. were they more susceptible? Like, we don't know. We don't know. There's so many things that line up to it. That's mm-hmm. like, 
it has to be this almost like perfect alignment of something and it's just I never want to be in that orbit too bad absolutely not no thank you no 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 thank you anyone but a big thank you to you Megan and to me and also we need to tell Abby what we're doing because I was genuinely nervous I was like oh no oh no oh no yeah and thank you to listeners once again for being with here with us we are now in December the year is almost done we are stoked to be doing this every week with you guys so please if you're happy to be here with us too please rate and review wherever you listen to your podcast at we appreciate it so much you can find us to talk to us at in, on Instagram at Scary Sisters Pod, the same with Twitter at Scary Sisters Pod, and you can email us at Scary Sisters Pod at gmail.com with any questions, concerns, stories of your own. I'm thinking maybe we will have something big to share stories similar to Megan sharing our cousin's story and maybe the listener's story as well. So stay tuned for that. Um, and until then, stay safe and stay spooky. Megan, love you. Bye.